What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 25th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be breaking down the NFC North division, talking about guys like Devontae Adams, Justin Fields, DeAndre Swift, and Adam Thielen, and why we do or do not believe in them for fantasy this year. To help me break this all down is a man who is a senior fantasy analyst at Pro Football Network, formerly of Fantasy Pros, The Athletic, 4 for 4, and is a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association with over 10,000 followers on Twitter. He is Eric Moody. What's going on, Eric? Hey, looking forward to chatting about some fantasy football. Before we dive in, hey, appreciate the invite. So really looking forward to this. It's uh, it's funny, as you were going through that rundown, I was like, I know I've written it so many places. I'll tell you, I'm very excited you know, about the opportunity at uh, Pro Football Network and being able to consolidate everything to one place. That's so cool. How long have you been working there? <laughs> Yeah, I started with uh, PFN. It was back in uh, in June, so uh, you know, early part of June was my official uh, official start date uh, wow. with them. So we got a lot of great things that are going on, and uh, I know we we you know we do a lot of things, not just fantasy football, but we also have content there on just general NFL news, uh, betting. I know we're also going to add here in a couple of months even more content uh, regarding uh, college football. But we got a lot of great things planned on the fantasy side of things, a lot of player profiles, you know, draft kit and everything that we're putting together so the the future looks very very bright no that's that's so cool and before before we started recording for people we tried to i mean i always try to find something that's really interesting about each person to bring on that like people most people wouldn't know and one of the things that we talked about before a little bit was like your experience with hurricane katrina so i mean and quickly i mean not many people i know have experienced it so like what was the yeah. craziest part of it for you and how was it moving on after kind of trying to return to normal life almost yeah, I would say the craziest thing about the uh, Hurricane Katrina experience was that, uh, you know, just the perception like in New Orleans with living in that area is that you deal with hurricanes like every year. Yeah. You don't necessarily think that, hey, this one that's coming in will be like the big one. Uh, and so you kind of take it for granted. It's like, all right, I'll, 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 I'll grab a, uh, like a gym bag with some clothes. You know, I know we'll be back like in a couple of days, but, you know, this this was you know, the big one. And so it wasn't that, Hey, I'm going to come back in a couple of days and get all my stuff. And I lived in one of the areas where it was uh, devastated near, uh, near one of the levees. So everything was flooded, you know, water up to like a, to up to like a street sign. Just think about that street sign water is here. So nothing is really like salvageable. Uh, you know, if you're looking at something to take, because all the water's contaminated, all sorts of bad stuff that's in there. So I would say the one takeaway is that it really taught me about, uh, and definitely at a very young age, about dealing like with adversity and that if you get knocked down, you can get back up, gather the pieces and keep on moving. So to bring all that together, I would say that's probably my biggest takeaway. I love that. No, that's <laughs> fantastic. And I'm sure that's helped you in your in your fantasy writing career now with all these <laughs> sites and all that. I think that's, that's so cool. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, speaking through breaking through adversity, how about Aaron Rodgers? Let's break. Let's get right into the Packers. There's a lot of adversity, so so to speak, going on right now. Oh yeah. He's been asked a lot of questions, like even on the match, he he didn't really give an answer whether he's coming back or not. Do you, at Pro Football Network, with your professional opinion, believe that Aaron Rodgers will be starting for the Packers Week One? Oh, that's the that's the magic question. My uh, my my gut is telling me that he's going to work it out. Yeah. You know, he's at the stage of his career for where. Uh, 
you know, that continuity is really, really important. But on the flip side, I could see where he could watch what Tom Brady did last year and saying, well, hey, I can be just like Tom Brady and go like to the Broncos and this other team and, and elevate, you know, everyone that's there. Uh, but it's an interesting scenario. But I just think deep down inside that he'll end up staying with the Packers. For sure. For sure. But I'm sure in the back of his mind, I mean, he's like, I mean, just a, a trade request and a little avocado ice cream. And I could be on my way to a trip to a Super Bowl next year. So I think it's it's really interesting. But so that being said right now, obviously, as a fantasy analyst, you're always trying to find a way. And for people that are going to have drafts now or in the next couple of weeks before, it's a little scary to especially going after the Packers players, especially when you don't yes. know if he's going to be back. And it's a big thing. So right now, let's start with Aaron Jones. Like With Aaron Jones, obviously a phenomenal back. He's actually been a top five running back each of the last two years. Jamal Williams, who's more of their pass catching back, is gone. So I think that's even more targets and work for him. Where would you be willing to draft him right now, especially when you don't know if A-Rod is coming back? Yeah, that's a good point because Aaron Rodgers, that's the uh, you know everyone's tethered to him in that offense. But I'm very comfortable selecting like Aaron Jones like at his average draft position. Like you look at his body of work, I'm like since 2018, I'm like the guy's average, you know, 19 opportunities, 100 total yards, and 19 PPR fantasy points uh, per game. You know, since 2018, you know, he's finished as an RB2 or better in 76% of those 30 active games. And, and I think that success could, uh, could continue whether Aaron Rodgers is there or not. They've got a really good offensive line. Uh, I think he can be viewed as like a low end RB1. I'm like, even with AJ Dillon there, I'm like, you're looking at someone that can easily get uh, anywhere from like 290 to 300, you know, opportunities in 2021. And so now I'm, I'm really high on that Aaron Jones, and it's just really creating a buying opportunity with this Aaron Rodgers new for all the Packers players no I'm with you 100% and I think the thing is is like I think that he'd be someone that would be a little less affected than like without Aaron Rodgers and some other people I mean a part of that's obvious but I wouldn't be surprised if they leaned on him a little bit more whether it's Jordan Love leaning on him more in the passing game or they try to run the ball a little bit more because they have a good offensive line their defense is pretty solid so they could have some more positive game scripts I like him I think AJ Dillon is a top tier handcuff but going into Devontae Adams Devontae Adams right now, I would probably take as my wide receiver three until we know Rodgers is coming back. I think Diggs and Tyreek Hill are just too ultra safe. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers comes back. Devontae Adams is immediately my wide receiver one. But right now, I would take him below Hill and Diggs. Are you on that same kind of wavelength right now? Yeah, I would say when it comes to Devontae Adams, you know, I would respectfully disagree because if you look at Adams, um, his 2020 was obviously insane. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. No. <laughs> I'm like, this, this is a guy like, you know, average 10 targets a game, uh, you know, eight receptions, you know, a little bit under 100 receiving yards, like 26, like PPR fantasy points per game, like a week winner sometimes with those performances. Uh, and he's he's looked really good over the last three seasons too, uh, you know, with this statistical production. Uh, I know there's some uncertainty with Rodgers. I know that kind of again it it leads to everyone in the Packers but the target volume would still be there and I think he could still maintain you know that low end wide receiver one value even with Jordan Love under center yeah no I I think that's fair I think that's fair and again I think that I'm just not I'm just a little too scary but I don't again I wouldn't blame anyone for taking him at wide receiver one two three I think if you're going for four I'm like okay I come on like you gotta it's it's Devontae Adams but I'm with you I could take him anywhere in that range but for that just because of the safety right now I would be a little wary but I don't blame someone like you said for taking him where you are but what about the other pass catchers on this team right now are, is there anyone that's intriguing to you that you're willing to draft not Robert Tunyon between their wide receivers between Amari Rogers I see you already rubbing your hands together MVS Lazard Equaminius St. Brown or maybe Devin Funches I'm just kidding but who who's the guy between those that you're really excited about 
tell you the guy I'm really excited about. It's uh, Amari <laughs> Rogers. Uh, I think this is a player that has the potential to become like the best slot receiver for Green Bay. Ooh. I would say since Randall Cobb. Ooh. I'm like, you look at what he was able to do at Clemson. Uh, I'm like, he concluded his career at Clemson with 181 receptions uh, for 2,144 yards, like 15 receiving touchdowns over uh, 55 career games. I'm like, this is a guy that ranks six in school history. If you look at career receptions, uh, 12th in receiving yards and tied for 14th in our receiving touchdowns. Uh, I think he's got a really, really good chance, you know, to come in and prove that, Hey, I'm the second most talented receiver on this Packers roster. Love the guy. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I like the thing that there was just news that came out the other day that he could be a good kind of two-way player beyond special teams, but more he could be yeah. a slot receiver. And he could also take some jet sweeps out of the backfield, add a new element to exactly. the offense. And I think we saw it with guys like, I mean, Robert Woods or Chase Claypool that get a couple rushing touchdowns every year. I think he's the most intriguing. I mean, Alan Lazard, MVS, some of those other guys have had a couple years to do it and they haven't done it. And Amari Rodgers getting good reports. And especially if you add in Aaron Rodgers, the slot, whether it's Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson playing the big slot. I really like him. But the person I don't like is Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon, I just don't get it. Um, Robert Tunyon is just on my do not draft list. It's crazy that he's still going as high as he is without Rodgers. I mean, he he had 11 touchdowns last year on 59 total targets. That's 3.7 targets per game. And again, he scored a touchdown every 5.4 targets last year. And for example, the, the tight ends that were like above him were Travis Kelsey, who did it every 13.2, Mark Andrews every 12.5, Darren Waller 16.1. The second closest tight end in the NFL that finished in the top 15 was Jonu Smith, who scored a touchdown every nine friggin' targets. I mean, I just, I, I don't get it. Maybe he's baby Kittle. I get the hype, but please, please, please tell me you do not like Robert Tunyon in fantasy. No, on this one, we are aligned. Because uh, you mentioned, like, with the touchdowns, it's the same same thing, like, with Aaron Rodgers, is that a lot of his fantasy production uh, last year was driven by his insane, like, touchdown rate. I'm like, his touchdown rate of, of a little bit over 9%, I'm like, that was, like, the fourth highest in a single season during the Super Bowl era. That is how ridiculous wow. uh, that touchdown rate was. And so that's that's where I would give some pause, like, on Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I'm not against necessarily drafting, like, the quarterback early. Rodgers isn't one of my preferred options if you're going with that strategy. But tying that back to Tunyon, I just don't think that type of efficiency is like sustainable for him. And I'll tell you, you mentioned like his ADP. I mean, there are other tight ends like in the double-digit rounds, which I would rather prioritize than Tunyon right now. Who, who would be those guys? Like an Adam Troutman or a Gerald Everett, guys like that, or someone else? Yeah, I would say like uh, like like Troutman is one. It just depends on where you're drafting, but uh, even guys like uh, – like Dallas Godard, I don't, I don't know where he's going. It may be like eight or nine, and not necessarily yeah. ten. Uh, but Logan Thomas is one I've seen that's dipped to the uh, double-digit rounds. You've got other guys that are out there, you know, like uh, like Irv Smith. You mentioned Troutman, who I'm really, really high on. And then uh, even someone that's even less expensive uh, that's readily available is like uh, Blake Jarin. Yeah, uh, he was he was some someone that everyone was really touting as a breakout candidate uh, this time last year. He's still there. I'm like, they got Dalton Schultz that's there, but I'm like, Jarum was supposed to be the guy going into last year. So those are just some options. For sure. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. But what about, what about DeBears, as they like to say? I mean, I think, I think Matt Nagy is a little crazy for saying that Andy Dalton is going to be the starter. But I think one thing that people don't realize that I wanted to mention, this was on the Pat McAfee show about a week or two ago, that he said the reason that he's probably so in on Andy Dalton, he's saying that, is because quarterback competitions create divide in the locker room. Then some guys have Justin as their guy, some guys have Andy as their guy. And if they say, if he says Andy is the guy, 
people are going to believe that. And if Justin takes over, oh, well, it doesn't create any enemies. So maybe it's that, or maybe he's just an idiot. I mean, it, it could be anything, but either way, I think Justin Fields should be the starter pretty early on. Do you envision him taking over earlier in the season or later in the season? Yeah, I do uh, envision him taking uh, taking that starting role like sooner rather than later. It's just if you got two guys that are there, um, I know Dalton's getting paid, obviously. They brought him on before the draft, of course. But just let the two guys like compete. But I, I think if you look at the Bears' offense, like either way, uh, I know everyone wants Justin Fields, but even if Andy Dalton was the starter for the entire season, I don't think it's as dire as, as people would think. Now, I know a lot of people think, about, oh, Dalton in Dallas was awful. Dude was terrible. I'm like, he did have his moments. But if you look like from week 11, like to week 17, I'm like, he averaged like you know, 20 fantasy points per game. He only had one QB1 performance, but he was still like serviceable. And personally, I'm more excited to see what Fields brings to the table. You know, you, you look at what he was able to do at uh, Ohio State uh, in just like 22 games. I'm like, he accumulated like nearly, you know, 5,400 passing yards. Uh, nearly like 900 rushing yards and, and threw like 63 touchdowns and uh, only nine interceptions during that time frame. But uh, just to bring all that together, I, I would say the offense will still run, whether it's Dalton or uh, Justin Fields, uh, you know, under center. I didn't mean necessarily say run, you know, think yeah. Fields like, you know, mobility. But anyway, I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But I, I like what you said. And people are, people are acting like Andy Dalton can't be like a serviceable quarterback. I mean, look at his years in, in the, for the Bengals. Not saying the Bengals were good. I'm not saying that. But again, there are people on their team, and we're looking for fantasy production here. We're not worried about NFL production. I think it's not going to hurt Allen Robinson with the quarterbacks he's had or David Montgomery. But David Mon- I mean, getting into David Montgomery, I-, I don't like David Montgomery in fantasy this year. I mean, he's going as the RB20 right now, which isn't an awful price. But in nine out of his 13 games without Cohen last year, he played at least 80-plus percent of the snaps. The three games with Cohen, he only played a high of 56% of the snaps. And this is the craziest thing. Maybe it's just a rookie thing. But his highest snap share in 2019 with Tariq Cohen playing highest was only 73%. And then you add someone like the last two years, Cordell Patterson is the guy that's taking carries as a secondary guy for them. And he's yeah. and he's not there anymore. Now you bring in someone like Damian Williams, who the last time he played was scoring two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I mean, are you, are you in on David Montgomery at his price? Or do you think he's at fairly priced right now? Yeah, I would say uh, I think he's fairly priced. And, and, and the reason I would say that is – if you look at like his his ADP, I'm like you're you're picking him up as a it's kind of like a low end like running back two type. Uh, going back to last year, I'm like he was a league winner, you know, for fantasy managers. I'm like from week 12 through 17, I'm like he averaged you know 24 opportunities, 100, 137 total yards, you know, nearly like 26 PPR fantasy points per game. Dude was a stud. Efficiency was something that he struggled with like all season, but he did have those favorable matchups to close out the season. I'm like even with Damian Williams uh, joining the fold and uh, Tariq Cohen coming back, you know, from his injury, I'm like you're still looking at a, a back that's relatively inexpensive that's still going to get close to 300 opportunities. And, you know, so that, that's something that I'm depending on how I'm building my team yeah. for where he can be very valuable at his ADP. If you just need to, to pluck a hole, like if you're going like you know, zero running back or wide receiver or a uh, heavy early on. So he, he fits, a, he fits, he fits a role in a void. Absolutely. I think he fits a role in a void. I think upside wise, I don't think he has a ton of it unless there's an injury. But like yeah. you said, if you're just trying to plug a hole, if the, you know, if the bathtub's leaking, you just need to put David Montgomery in. I think that's very serviceable. And I'd rather him over someone like Josh Jacobs, I think, in that range. I think yeah. Montgomery would be the guy that I would go to. But what about I mean, what about someone like Allen Robinson? I, I think Allen Robinson at this point is almost underrated. I'm an underdog yeah. ADP right now. He's going as the wide receiver 13. When he's finished the top 10 wide receiver, 
each of the last two years. He's a phenomenal route runner that's been unfortunately screwed by, I think, his quarterback play over the course of his entire career, even going back to college. I mean, are you joking? Um, but again, he's a guy that I really like. I mean, are you in on him or any other receivers um, that you're in on the, on for this team at all? Yeah, I would say I'm definitely in on on Allen Robinson. Like to your point, I'm like he's uh, you know consistently like criminally like underrated. Uh, I know he's he's thrived with poor to incompetent quarterback play. <laughs> like he's a guy uh, this year that could easily see 140 targets, you know, and finish with you know, nearly 1,200 receiving yards and seven or eight touchdowns. I think that's in the realm of possibility for him. Uh, so when you're drafting him, especially at his ADP, he's a great value. I'm like, you're getting someone that's like a high-end, you know, wide receiver two, but he's also giving you like wide receiver one, like upside. Uh, I would say if we get Fields in there sooner rather than later, you know, with Fields on mobility and his uh, ability to throw the ball deep, a guy like Robinson, that's going to elevate his ceiling like even more. And he would even be, in my opinion, if Fields takes the field sooner you know, rather than later as a, like a dark horse candidate, I would say to finish as the overall like, you know, fantasy wide receiver one, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And I think that's why I like him because I think there's so much upside. Yeah. But he's as safe as it gets, I think, for a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And he's done a bad quarterback play, good quarterback play, average quarterback play. Sorry, he hasn't had good quarterback play. I forgot about that one. But <laughs> I really tough. I really like him. But between what about, I mean, like Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, Marquise Goodwin. I, I, Mooney's someone I think that's interesting as a dart throw. Not anyone that I'm like, oh, I need this guy for fantasy. I was kind of in on Anthony Miller, and it didn't work out so well last year. Um, but I think Darnell Mooney, I think of that clip with him toasting Jalen Ramsey, and I that gets me a little excited. And I think if Fields took over, even Dalton, I think he'd be worth a dart throw. But not there's other guys I'd rather be targeting in that range, like someone like a John Brown or something like that. But you – any receivers that you're in on, or are you just like, I'm avoiding all of them at all costs? Yeah, I, I wouldn't avoid them. You know, there's always a opportunity in chaos. But you brought up a good point about Darnell Mooney and that, and that clip that you're referring to. I'm like, he's a he's a heck of a value at his ADP. Uh, you know, I think with better quarterback play, he can easily exceed like ADP expectations. Like to your point, it's like, wow, just so many so many receptions and yards like left on the table. Now he did have five games last season with a hundred or more air yards, uh, which is very, very intriguing to me. And he still finishes a wide receiver three in like 81% of his games, but he's someone behind Allen Robinson. I think that's a lot to see, you know, a hundred or more targets definitely can be viewed as like an upside wide receiver four, uh, but he can definitely creep into that wide receiver three discussion uh, with a little bit more efficiency. I know the training camp, again, that will be interesting when you're looking at like fields and Dalton yeah. uh, with that kind Competition. I think as far as like the other receivers on here, it's just it's only so many targets that go around like in Chicago. Uh, I know Anthony Miller was part of some trade rumors like earlier in the year. I think if you take out uh, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, the rest of those receivers, I'd be surprised if they even accumulate 50 targets amongst uh, you know the three of them. For sure, for sure. I'd rather bet on someone like Cole Komet to get a few targets. And I think Cole Komet is, yeah. is a little bit interesting. And I get like Jimmy Gar- Jimmy Graham is still there, but in his last seven games, with Jimmy Graham playing all of the last seven games, Cole Komet played at least 70% of the snaps in every single game. And before that point, he hadn't even hit 50% of the snaps around their bye week. I mean, he just kind of took over. And Jimmy Graham was still playing. It's not like yeah. he's not going to play. But the fact that he's still seeing that high of a snap share, I think, is really intriguing for me. Again, this offense is not one that I'm really excited to invest in like some other ones. But I think where he's going is tight end 23 and underdog ADP. He's worth, again, like those dart throw tight ends like that. I think he's worth it over some of those other guys at this point. Um, Do you have any interest in him at all? No, no, I I do. If you're looking at the uh, the Bears tight end situation, 
you know, Komet and Graham. You know, Komet's obviously my preferred target. Uh, I think he could be viewed as, as, as like a low end, I would say tight end too. Um, like Graham, you know, will unfortunately still have a role. But Komet, I think the floor for him is really around like 80 targets. If they phase Graham out, I think he could see like even more closer to a hundred. He's a really nice target, like in best ball formats, you know, as a, as a tight end too. Uh, I think if you pair like commit, depending on how deep the format is, like if you're participating in redraft, yeah. like if you pair like commit with another tight end and just stream, uh, I think you'll be very happy with the results. But yeah, I'm very high on him as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's he's someone that, again, is super, super interesting and a lot more interesting than this Lions offense. I mean, this Lions team, rather, maybe not offense because they have a couple intriguing guys. But again, please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think either of us have much interest in Jared Goff, especially in that offense. But the guy that is intriguing to me is DeAndre Swift. Um, DeAndre yes. Swift, for people that listen to my podcast, know that he's someone that I'm very off of. But this week that changed, Eric. It really did. So among the 27 running backs to catch at least 60-plus passes – over the last five years in PPR leagues, only five of them didn't finish in the top 18, and all of them were third down backs. So of the other 22 that all hit it that weren't all just third down backs, 18 out of those 22 finished as an RB1. DeAndre Swift was averaging four and a half catches per game, which is on pace for over 60 catches in general in a 16-game schedule. Um, again, purely because of the pass-catching chops, more in PPR than I would in half PPR. I think he's someone that's very, very interesting, especially with an improved offensive line with Panay Sewell. And they have a, I mean, they're probably going to be a top 10 offensive line. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. I know Jared Goff does not like to check down at all, um, but maybe that's a product of the Rams offense and he might do it more this year, especially with Anthony Lynn being the offensive coordinator for this team, which usually is more pass catching running back, more passes to running backs. Um, Again, what are your thoughts on DeAndre Swift? Yeah, I think on uh, DeAndre Swift, I'm like we're we're aligned. Uh, I just think you want to have the right expectations because Swift is mm-hmm. a solid like running back too. Mm-hmm. Just the presence of uh, Jamal Williams just really limits like his 100%. ceiling and also negatively impacts like his opportunity share. I, I agree with you what you said about the Lions like offensive line tremendous. Uh, really, really love you know really love that group. It's just the offense as a whole you know could like underperform. You also brought up uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, Anthony Lynn, you know, being brought over. Uh, he does have a really robust history, to your point, you know, of getting production out of running backs. I'm um, like, Lynn had like 26% of passes and 41% of touches go to running backs uh, during his four years uh, with the Chargers. And so, hey, the opportunities there for Swift and for Williams, you know, to thrive. One thing with Swift, I'm like, he only averaged a little bit over 13 opportunities per game last season. You know, only had six games of 15 or more opportunities uh, in 20. 20 as well uh he was very effective i'm like he had the fourth highest fantasy points per opportunity among running backs i just think once you combine uh his presence with williams it just kind of lowers like the ceiling so i really have him projected for around you know like 260 uh, opportunities you know around 1200 yards and like seven touchdowns so he's a solid solid and i can't stress that enough running back too i just don't think he's going to see enough touches to kind of barred through the door of the RB1 conversation. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's a solid RB2, not someone I'd want to draft mm-hmm. as my first running back for sure. But I think the yeah. thing that's interesting, I think the Jamal Williams thing goes underrated, is Adrian Peterson with his corpse of a body. Again, I don't want to disrespect Adrian Peterson, so I will stop it yeah. right there. Averaged <laughs> over 10 touches a game for them last year. I can't see Williams averaging much more than that. 
But again, it caps it caps Swift ceiling, which is why I agree he's a hundred percent in running back two. Um, moving on to the wide receivers. Sorry for laughing, Lions fans, at your wide receivers, but you have Rashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, I think there's no one that's super intriguing, but again, I think someone could end up with like somewhere in 70 to 100 targets or something just out of purely the offense. I think the guy that I would target would probably be Perryman, I think, because he's put up some interesting numbers, dare I say. Um, and he's someone that I'd be interested, but I know Amon Ross St. Brown is getting a little bit of hype. Is there any guy among that quartet um, that you would go after at all? That you'd be worried? Who would be the guy that you'd say, I'm going to throw a dart at this guy and hope for a bullseye, even though that, door does, that dartboard is really far away and very unlikely to hit? Yeah, I would say my uh, my guy would be uh, Tyrell Williams, and I'll, I'll provide some insight into yeah. uh, into why. If you look at um, Williams, I'm like he's in a really good position to be fantasy relevant. I'm like the Lions have a lot of targets available, like 360 available targets. Like Williams and Len, you know their OC, uh, you know they have a history, you know going back to uh, his mm. time like with the Chargers. Okay. You look back from uh, 2017 to 2018. I'm like. Uh, Williams accumulated like 84 receptions, uh, a little bit under 1,400 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. And like you look during that time frame from the fantasy lens, I'm like Williams finishes a wide receiver three or better in 78% of those games, like in PPR. So I think he could see close to 100 targets because, hey, there, there's targets there for the taking. And uh, I just think with a guy like Williams, you know, he, he's not a guy in, in most leagues I'm like prioritizing like to, to land. I would say if you're in a really, really deep format where you may have to start like four or five like wide receivers i think he could be a viable you know wide receiver four or five like with upside and um, i would say someone else you know we talked briefly about him um, like amon rob like st brown you know some of the other uh, uh pieces on that offense i mean, he's someone to keep on your radar like in dynasty i'm like you look at perriman and williams you know those are two guys that are on one-year deals and uh, i know it's been a lot of buzz with uh with st brown and jared goff so i think he could eventually become uh, I would say Jared Goff, like version of Cooper Cup in this offense. So he's kind of teaching him some of the things that Cooper Cup did uh, in, in, in Los Angeles when they were together. I like that. And and mm-hmm. for people listening, that is why I brought you on this podcast. I just learned something today with that Tyrell Williams. <laughs> Definitely someone that I'm going to be willing to buy later in the rounds. But lastly yeah. in this offense is TJ Hawkinson, like you talked about. Hawk. I mean, the Hawk, man, <laughs> with all those vacated targets. Again, I don't think that I'm not saying TJ Hawkinson is going to be a top three tight end. But I don't know why people have Kyle Pitts over him when he could get all the targets that he could possibly imagine. I'd, I'd say Jared Goff's had a little bit of success with his tight ends combined. And then when TJ Hawkinson is the only tight end getting all that volume with at least 294 vacated targets, I think he's easily the tight end four for me, especially when he was a top six tight end last year. So why are we betting on him to fail? I think he's as safe as it gets for a tight end. I, it sounds like you agree. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I do. It's, uh, you know, sometimes people kind of uh, overcomplicate things, but we, we know, especially a wide receiver, you know, running back, even a tight end, I'm like, volume you know is what's needed to be successful and Hawkinson's in a position to lead that team in targets offensive schemes a really great fit for him uh you look at golf like with his history I'm like he's leveraged you know the tight ends quite a bit you know he's kind of been timid when when throwing deep he's the guy that's like all right I've got my receivers and I'm going to throw them like the ball like on a short to intermediate route and let them accumulate and do all the work, like with yards after the catch. That's been like his mo. So I'm, I'm sure going back to you know the Rams that McVeigh is like excited to get him out. They have someone who actually wants to throw the ball deep. But how this really connects, like with Hawkinson, is that 
I'm like, he's, he's going to run rampant, like on the short to intermediate areas of the field. I'm like, I, I would say, I'm like, he has a chance to finish as like the overall like tight end one. I'm like, he could be that guy. I'm like, you're looking at someone that can easily get like 120 targets and like he could possibly finish, you know, with a thousand receiving yards and he can easily get you seven or eight touchdowns. So I think he's a legit candidate. I love that. I love that. Would you take him over Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews, both of those guys? Yeah, I, I would. The things, the thing that drives me insane, like with Kyle Pitts, and I'm a huge fan of Kyle Pitts, like from sure. a, a film perspective and what he was able to do at Florida. But I'm like, he he has very little room to fail when you look at his ADP with how he's being drafted. Yeah. I'm like, he has very little wiggle room and room like to fail. But again, that could create an opportunity like this time next year, like for dynasty managers you know trying to to buy low or just someone that's frustrated but he has so much hype pits you know going into this year he's just a guy that uh, i'm really have been avoiding in a lot of drafts so no i'm I'm with you i think you're just getting a little bit too overhyped especially when someone like a tj hawkinson is all the volume in the world i think mark andrew's gonna bounce back for what it's worth i mean at least a little bit and he's proven and again i it's not like kyle pitts can't be successful but where he's being drafted people are expecting him to have like one of the greatest tight end rookie seasons of all time, which he could because he's probably the one of the best prospects of my lifetime. Um, but again, I think that's interesting. And again, TJ Hawkinson for me is absolutely the tight end four. But with that being said, before we move on to our final team today, let's take a quick commercial break. All right, we are back. And who, who better to talk about than the captain himself? Probably only Vikings fans call him that, but Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going as the QB 19 right now in underdog ADP. I think he's someone that's intriguing. Um, I like just because of the offense in general, when you have guys like Dalvin Cook, I mean, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith, or even for the Tyler, Tyler Conklin truthers out there, or the, the Chad Beebe truthers, whoever they are, not too many. But again, there's people out there. I think the offense is good enough that Kirk Cousins is worth a flyer, but I think He's only a guy that I like to stream, I think, in good matchups. I think where things line up, he's someone that I like to stream. But, again, besides that, I wouldn't want him any more than that. Um, it, it, it sounds like you agree, but before, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on Kirk Cousins, but I'd love to lead you to have lead into Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is very interesting. I think he's obviously the number two running back in fantasy football, but one of the things that I'd like to hear your take on is the fact that in four seasons that he's played, he has never played 16 games, which is pretty interesting. Does that concern you at all? He's played at 14 each of the last two years. Not like he's been super banged up, but does that concern you at all with Kirk Cousins? I mean, sorry, with Dalvin Cook? Yeah, it doesn't really concern me with Cook because that's been kind of his MO uh, kind of going into the last couple of seasons. And the Vikings have done a pretty good job with uh, managing like his workload. So, you know, we're, we're not behind the scenes. It could easily be one of those scenarios where it's like, hey, if we really needed you, we know that you can play. But just to be proactive, we're going to have you sit out. Yeah. And then I mean, you look at his production. I'm like, he, I'm like, he's delivered whenever he's been on the field. I'm like, yeah. you look over the last two seasons. I'm like, he's averaged like 24 opportunities. 127 total yards and 23 PPR fantasy points uh, per game, like over that time frame. He's a very elite, you know, running back one. He's dynamic uh, as a runner, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield. Now, I know the Vikings offensive line has struggled. Uh, they have a new look going into this season, but he's the type of guy that could transcend like poor offensive line play or average offensive line play. And I think his results, you know, show that. Yeah, no, I'm with it. And I think one of the things that's interesting is I think he's only getting better. And it's weird that I talk about this the same way with Derrick Henry, that every year he's improved. Dalvin Cook in his four seasons has improved on his rush attempts, his yards, his touchdowns every single time. And even the games have gone up every year. I think that, like, I mean, I I love Dalvin Cook. I think he's hands down the running back two 
Is there any chance that you'd be willing to take him over Christian McCaffrey in some league, or are you all in on CMC? I'm all in on CMC, but I think it's just worth posing the question. Ooh, that, ooh that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, I would say I'd be open to it. It's just just because you're you're picking at the one on one, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, like hey, you you, you know, you got to take him. It, it's sure. some that may prefer like Cook. Uh, one thing that I would say, and this is how the dot could be connected uh, okay. to Cousins. I'm like, you look at look at Christian McCaffrey. It's a lot of uncertainty with what we're going to get from uh, from Sam Darnold. Yep. Like, we, you know, we don't know. I'm like, we, you know, we want it to be good, right? Especially for Robbie Anderson's sake. That's another discussion for another day. Absolutely. But uh, but when you look at like with Cousins, though, I'm like, he's a legitimate threat, like as a passer, which that's going to open up additional running lanes, like for Cook, you know, to to go wild. One thing I love about Cousins is that. I'm like last season. I'm like he ended up. Um, what did he finish off with? Like with four thousand two hundred uh, passing yards. Sorry, yeah. my, my memory escaped me for a moment. It was four thousand two hundred sixty-five. He had like a career uh, thirty-five passing touchdowns, and uh, this was like his fifth season with uh, four thousand or more passing yards. I'm like the yeah. offensive line could be better. I'm like he's still been able to to make things happen there, but uh, I think his connection like with Justin Jefferson, I'm like, it was able to elevate like his production, like even more. So I'm like, you look at cousins, like from week 10 to 17, I'm like, he averaged like 27 fantasy points per game yeah. like, during that time frame, And you can expect similar production from him this year uh, where he's kind of high end QB two is going to give you some really solid QB one weeks. But with having him, uh, you, you know, throwing passes, you got Adam Thielen that's there. You got Justin Jefferson, uh, receiving threats that's just going to open things up for cooks like even more and he may not see as many like stack boxes not saying that he can't yeah. handle it but when you see some of these plays these really explosive plays where he has these rushing attempts for greater than 10 yards i'm like all these other elements that i've talked about kind of play into that and so i think it's an argument for where you could easily take cook over uh mccaffrey yeah no absolutely again like you said the dots are connected and i think the i mean i don't know about the safe play because i don't think christian mccaffrey's injury prone i hate that argument when he never missed a game yeah. his first three seasons mm-hmm. and cook has missed games for what it's worth mm-hmm. but again i think like you said because of the offense yeah. and stuff like that i mean you could argue that mm-hmm. the vikings are a little safer so i wouldn't i wouldn't i mean annihilate people for taking him at number one but Again, either way, um, I think that Dalvin Cook is a surefire top two running back in every sense of the word. And I love this offense. And again, I think going off of that, I mean, Alexander Madison is probably, I mean, the best, if not, I mean, if one of the best, if not the best overall handcuff fantasy football. But one of the points I wanted to lead right into with Justin Jefferson, man, I love Justin Jefferson. That guy is so special. And again, he's not the kind of guy that we see that I think is going to regress as much going into his sophomore year. I know we see that rookie wall all the time, but that guy is special. Um, And Matt Harmon's reception perception, just to cite that. I mean, Justin Jefferson had one of the best seasons ever. I mean, he was over the 90th percentile in beating man coverage as a rookie. I mean, he was just absolutely unreal. He's going as the wide receiver eight right now in underdog EDP. Do you agree? I mean, obviously, I think that's his four. I'm not his four, but I think that's where I would take him right now. But do you think – two questions – one, okay. could he be the overall wide receiver one in this lower volume passing offense with what they have? And two, mm-hmm. would you be willing to take him any higher than wide receiver eight right now over someone like an AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, that big three, DeAndre Hopkins, anybody like that? Yeah, I, I would kind of start back and work yeah. my way up. Yeah, I'd be open to taking him uh, over um, over some of those names that you okay. mentioned, like with DK Metcalf and uh, – you know, and AJ Brown, just because those other offenses are pretty run heavy as well. But one thing, like with Jefferson, I'm like, 
he had like a 33% uh, share of like the Vikings passing yards and like 17.5% red zone target share. And so that, that is just really, really impressive. I mean, he's got a really good connection like with Kirk Cousins. So I think it's an argument that that could be made. Yeah, no, absolutely. What about Adam Thielen though? Uh, Adam Thielen is a guy that I just don't, I I don't get it. I don't like it. I mean, I think his price compared to other years in fantasy has been, I mean, um, like I forget, I can't think of a fancy word to say it right now. He's been priced pretty accordingly going around the wide receiver 20 range right now. But again, last year, I mean, he had 14 touchdowns on 108 targets on 74 catches. I mean, again, like when he had 153 targets a couple of years ago, he only had nine targets. And and now for what it's worth, I don't like this argument at all, but he's over 30 now. So maybe he could be declining. Justin Jefferson's ascending. Irv Smith is ascending. Dalvin Cook is still ascending at this point. And maybe Kirk Cousins is ascending. So where does that leave Adam Thielen who's getting older? Um, I would just rather target someone like a T. Higgins or a Deontay Johnson that are both going after Adam Thielen right now because I think they're both ascending. They could be better. They have a higher ceiling, especially in a low passing volume offense with Justin friggin' Jefferson and Dalvin Cook in that offense. I just don't like Adam Thielen at that price because I just don't see the upside there. Maybe he's safe. Maybe he's not. But again, he caught a ridiculous amount of his red zone targets last year. And I just feel like he's bound to regress at least a little bit, especially with everything else I already mentioned in this offense. Are you in on Adam Thielen at all? Or would you rather take some of those guys I mentioned beyond him or even someone else? beyond him that you would rather take over Adam Thielen? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that Adam Thielen, for me, he's kind of one of those players for where I'm like, if he's there and you need a receiver, you can take him, but he's not a player that I'm reaching to uh, to have on my lineup. Okay. Because uh, if you look at, like, um, you look at Thielen, I'm like, he's in a position, you know, to your point, Justin Jefferson has kind of ascended. I'm like, Thielen could still give you like anywhere from 110 to 120 targets. I'm like, he can get over a thousand receiving yards yep. and like seven touchdowns. But I think the big takeaway from Thielen is that I'm like, the ceiling's just a little bit lower than what it has been in the past. So you need to have that upside in another uh, position or player like on your roster. That's probably my big takeaway there. For sure. No, absolutely. In the last position, I don't, I mean, OBZ Johnson, Chad Beebe, unless you're one of those truthers, please, please correct me. But um, no. you're, you're not one of their moms, so you're probably not a big, <laughs> big truther for them. Um, but leading into Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin, their last one, Irv Smith's a guy that I, I really don't like his price point that much. I love the talent. I love the draft capital. I love all of it. But he's going as the tight end 12 right now. And especially when Mike Zimmer himself, again, we talk about all the time with fantasy news and reports. Everybody looks great. But when you hear negative sort of news, that's the news that you should believe in. And Irv Smith kind of had some negative news and Mike Zimmer himself saying, like, I don't think his role is going to improve much. If anything, Tyler Conklin will have more of a role. Um, Irv Smith right now going as tight end 12. Again, like we talked about in a low volume passing offense when you still have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. We've said it over and over again. Just not someone I want to target when there's other guys like Adam, I mean, Adam Troutman or Cole Komet or someone like that that has an easier path to targets or something like that. Irv Smith yeah. is not someone I like. I love the talent. I love the athletic. I love all of it. I just don't mm-hmm. like the situation. And I don't like when a head coach says your role is not going to improve in your third season. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like that. Are you? Do you disagree at all? Anyway, there? No, no. I, no, I agree with you because the, the perception was that, all right, Kyle Rudolph is gone. You know, it's Irv Smith time. Uh, but then you have, you know, what the uh, what the head coach said. But then you also have Tyler Coughlin that's there too. So I think with Irv Smith, I'm like, you can easily see like 70 targets, but he's more of like a mid-range, like tight end two for me. Coughlin is uh, going to really limit like his ceiling. Yep. And that's someone that could still command like anywhere from like, you know, 40 to 50 targets, which is just siphoning away opportunities, obviously from Irv Smith. So no, I'm right there with you. Not, not a tight end that I'm 
reaching for. He's probably more so someone that I like in like best ball where you can have him as your tight end to take advantage of those boom weeks. But if you are using him in like a kind of set your lineup, you know, redraft seasonal league, I mean, you're going to have to pair him with another tight end and really just play the matchups. But you just made a phenomenal point. And I think this is something I would say to anyone that's going to draft late round tight ends. You don't want to draft a late round tight end like Irv Smith when his ceiling is like tight end eight because he's playing with Tyler Conklin there. You want to draft someone that has a legitimate chance to score a lot of touchdowns or someone that's really has an easy path to target show. Like you keep saying with Adam Troutman, where he could be third on that team or even second on that team with targets. I don't want Irv Smith because he's not, he's probably not going to craft the top three in targets. He has another guy that's limiting him. So where's the upside? If you're drafting a tight end past tight end 12 or 13 or wherever it is, you want to draft someone that has a legitimate chance to finish top five or top three or something crazy like that. And Irv Smith is just not that guy. And that is it for the Vikings. But um, before we do our flag plant, the one question, again, we've talked about a lot of teams. We've talked a lot about a lot of players. For someone that's listening to this podcast and you're saying, okay, Eric, look, what is the one player or the one take from all the players that we talked about that you're saying, okay, I want you to leave pot- this podcast and I want you to remember this about this player. And that's the biggest takeaway you should have from this division. Yeah, I would say just where knowing these teams and, you know, kind of learning even more about these players. I've, I've written a lot of uh, – a lot of player profiles for uh, for Pro Football Network. Uh, they'll be part of our draft kit. And so I would say one that I just, I guess it's, ta- it's rent-free in my head or however they use that <laughs> phrase, is that, you know, J- Jamal Williams. Yep. Is, I just think he's such a really great value, a very inexpensive, like, running back three that's going to have, like, some really, really big weeks. I just think that that uh, opportunity share in Detroit is going to be kind of more so 50-50 and a lot different than what people think. So I would say that's probably one takeaway I'd, I'd love for uh, those that are listening you know, to uh, to take from this. Yeah, I love that. I think that's very interesting. Again, like you said, again, he's like a, a handcuff, so to speak, that still might mm-hmm. have a weekly role, especially in PPR leagues when they're down in games and they might say, okay, why are we risking DeAndre Swift when we're down mm-hmm. 30 to the Buccaneers or the Packers if Aaron Rodgers is there or whatever. But again, I, I totally agree. My take would be don't draft guys like Adam Thielen right now when they're bound for regression. And again, I think the biggest thing that we talk about, and again, I'm going to say it one last time. I know people are tired of me hearing it, but why are you drafting a guy in the wide receiver 20 range if he doesn't have a ceiling to be a top 12 wide receiver without injury? Why are you drafting a guy in a low-volume offense playing with an ascending receiver, running back, tight end, all of that? Why are you drafting him when you could get someone like a T. Higgins or a Deontay Johnson that's still getting better and has a path to tons and tons and tons of targets where Adam Thielen doesn't have that? I just feel like at that point in the draft when you're past the first couple rounds where you could be going a little bit safety and you're trying to get guys that have upside that is going to win you your league, unless Adam Thielen tops 14 touchdowns and he has 20 touchdowns, He's just not going to win you your league unless there's an injury to Dalvin Cook or Justin Jefferson. And yeah. it's just guys that I want to stay away from like that. And again, if the guy doesn't have the ceiling in that range when you're going after the wide receiver 20 and you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you need to be going for guys that are going to win you your league, not guys like Adam Thielen that the ceiling is just right above where he's going. I just don't get it. Um, and again, yeah. that's that, that's my rant on that. But again, just guys like that in general, I just do not want to target when they're bound for regression and all that. Again, people have heard me enough to say it, so I will shut up about that. But Eric... My final question for you today, my favorite question I say every time, is your 2021 flag plant, the player you believe in more than anyone else. Who is it? Yeah, because we, we talked about him today, and I would say it's uh, Alan Robinson. Okay. Uh, really, just really for a couple reasons. He's, uh, I look at him as a guy who's a really, really favorable ADP. 
but you're getting like a wide receiver two that can easily finish as like a wide receiver one. And then if you're pairing, say, you know, like Allen Robinson with a, you know, like a Devontae Adams or like a Tyreek Hill, you know, if you are drafting late in the first round and, and want to go like wide receiver, just being able to get Allen Robinson a round or two later, obviously at his ADP, is uh, is very, very intriguing. So I would say he he's the guy. Now, I know that uh, his ceiling will be capped a little bit if, you know, if we don't have Justin Fields come you know, come in, but like Andy Dalton is not a bad, uh, you know, deep ball passer. So I think either way he's going to be good, but I would say it's Allen Robinson for me. I have him on a lot of teams this year, including like uh, my Scott Fishbowl team. Okay. Okay. I like that. No, Scott Fishbowl. Amazing. This is also my first year, but I love that take on Allen Robinson. I think he is perennially underrated um, by his own team, by other players, by fans, by fantasy managers, all of oh, it. Yeah. I think he's underrated in every sense of the word. And if I can shout it out one more time, because everybody knows I love reception perception. I mean, this is the man that almost breaks reception perception every year. That man is always open, even when he is covered. I love Allen Robinson. And again, he is someone that I will also have on a lot of teams this year because he's just so safe. But there is an upside there at the end of the day because he doesn't have a lot of competition for targets. And if Justin Fields comes in, he's as good as people think he is. That is very, very intriguing. But Eric, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was phenomenal when I say that to have you, especially when we can learn about guys like Tyler Will- Tyrell Williams. And I think you had a lot of fantastic takes. But is there anything for the listeners that you want to plug that you're working on or you want people to know in general anything? The floor is yours. No, no, thank you for that. And thanks again for the invite. Hey, really good conversation. Looking forward to uh, to the next one. But yeah, I just want to let everyone know. I'm like, you can find, you know, all my content over at uh, Pro Football Network. Got a lot of great content that's there, you know, NFL, fantasy, betting. We also have college football, you know, that will be coming here as we approach the season. But I would say, uh, you know, we've got a lot of great content that's planned, you know, a lot of different player profiles and uh, other draft kit centric uh, content. But I would want to plug, I would say a couple of pieces that I think everyone that's listening would look like quite a bit. I know one is, uh, you know, Chase Edmonds, you know, set to be the running back one over James Conner in 2021. I know we have uh, on our staff, uh, Adam Beasley, uh, who's like our NFL, like our national like insider. And so he was able to uh, to break that news yesterday. And I was able to uh, write an article around it. But I basically build a case on why you should prioritize Chase Edmonds uh, in fantasy drafts right now. I think he's a huge value. I think one of the few running backs, like it is ADP right now, that could see – I would say as, as, as many as like 300 you know, opportunities. So I wow. think that's a guy that can easily exceed uh, ADP expectations. So I would highly recommend for everyone to check that out. Also have like my uh, Moody mailbag that's there like every week. Uh, this week's edition should be published here in a couple of hours. But that's where I have a chance to at least answer uh, questions. You know, I get on Twitter or just other questions from uh, those that read the content at Pro Football Network. So if you're not following, following me on Twitter, I encourage you to do so. I always try to interact, you know, with those that follow me I'm always happy to answer your questions but thanks again you know for the opportunity uh, to chat with you today hey it's been real that's awesome no I really I really appreciate it. that's that's a good that's a really good plug again I've had a lot of guests on but that is probably one of the best plugs I've heard I think that is fantastic um, but for everyone please follow him at Eric and Moody on Twitter he's a fantastic follow uh, someone I came across recently listening to a fantasy pros podcast I heard him and I was like man that guy is awesome i would love to get him on and i've been thankful enough to be able to get you on so thank you for that and thank you for listening to the fresh fantasy podcast today all you listening so please leave a review you guys already know what to do and i hope you all have a great rest of your day